the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And I think we're on YouTube and Facebook and a bunch of other things. So we're trying our best to get get going live here um, online with some video. It's not an easy task, but I'm, I'm slowly figuring this out. Now, by the way, I want you to know that uh, I'm staying on top of this uh, coronavirus for you. And I've got some information for you. There's a new drug out, so I'm, I'm thinking that perhaps we're we're going to find some cures for this or at least some treatments i don't know that we'll find an absolute cure but we'll certainly find uh some medications like tamiflu that we have for influenza that we can use to lessen the symptoms and keep people out of the icu and all that so i want everybody to join me today and the hope of the of the coronavirus epidemic being controlled and slowed down, I think that we're going to uh, do well. And it's a hopeful message today from from the Vatican. We heard the, the Pope and he was giving us the mass and saying that Jesus gives us hope. And, you know, this is the high holiday for the Christians. Uh, this is when Jesus rose from the dead uh, and this has become the great celebration of Christianity, uh, the miracle of, of Jesus coming back after apparently having been killed on the cross. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a big believer, but uh, I certainly respect and honor the memory of Jesus and hope that <clears throat> his message will be heard around the world today. And, uh, and my best wishes go out to all of my Christian friends both here and around the world, and I hope everybody has a wonderful Sunday. Well, listen, I, I've got this this thing uh, that I picked up from Reuters, and it's a new treatment called remdesivir, and it's an experimental drug that's being developed by the Gilead Pharmaceutical Company, and according to the data based on the patient observations, there were about 60 patients. It, it seemed uh, very effective and uh, decreased the the time that people were in the ICU decreased the death rate, and uh, most of the people got out of the hospital and did better. So, so this is hopeful. Now, along with this, we have the uh, the uh, Plaquenil, which is still being bashed by the left, but every doctor I know is stockpiling it. So, uh, you tell me, or most of the doctors in the country wrong? I don't know. I tell you, Ken, it's amazing to me that the left-wing media continues to bash anything that Trump says 
or does. And I mean, he didn't say that it worked. He said it might work. What the heck? Try it. What's it going to hurt? He's an eternal optimist. Well, not only that, he's trying to uh, he's trying to get people to to do things that that might be helpful to try them out and see what they'll do and how they'll work. And I think that's a good thing. We we have to be. Oh, that's not right. There we go. What was that? That was a missed. <laughs> was that you? You hit the wrong button. I hit the. I took grabbed the wrong mouse. I got like five different mice in here, so. <laughs> exterminator dude. I guess so yeah sorry about that doc so at any rate so that you know the the uh the plaquenil uh there are several studies ongoing now as i told you guys last week the uh the study that came out of wuhan was very hopeful that 60 patients were uh, included in the study 30 were 30 or 31 were randomized to placebo which is the sugar pill and the other 30 or 31 or 32, were randomized to uh, taking the Plaquenil, the hydroxychloroquine, which is the old-time anti-malarial drug that we now use for things like rheumatoid arthritis and lupus and uh, psoriatic arthritis and different autoimmune diseases. And it makes sense because it's an anti-inflammatory, so it modulates the immune system. And we know that part of the, uh, the devastation of this this virus is the uh, the inflammatory response that occurs in the lungs, blocking the ability of oxygen and carbon dioxide to pass between the microscopic blood vessels that circulate around the air sacs and carry the uh, blood back to the lungs and get rid of the bad stuff and pick up oxygen and all the good stuff. So that makes some sense. And it also alters the the pH inside of the uh, the cell, and apparently the pH, the acid base. Uh, relationship inside of our cells is important because if it's altered uh, even a little bit, the virus has a hard time getting in and, and replicating. So now we have this this new antiviral drug, and you guys remember uh, Tamiflu. That's been around for a long time for the influenza virus. This one is called Remdesivir, R-E-M-D-E-S-I-V-I-R, and it's looking pretty good. Uh, the The company has asked for a compassionate use uh, waiver for this uh, drug. It was used on 61 hospitalized patients. There was no placebo arm, so uh, we have to be a little bit careful, but I think it's certainly worth trying. And if we can crank up production of this, the the compassionate use of it may be uh, vital to saving lives and, and getting people out of the hospital quicker, and that, that's important. By the way, we've only had one at St. Pete General, one that I know of, unless somebody came in last night. But we're ramped up now because the nurses and the intensive care doctors <clears throat> have these pretty cool-looking headsets. They look like a spacesuit, and uh, there's a little hose that goes back to a fanny pack on your back, on your butt, and it's a fan with a HEPA filter in it, and uh, it it completely isolates your face from any droplets or any inspired uh, material that might come out of someone with uh, the coronavirus. Uh, so it, it looks it looks like a nice thing. I don't think we have but a couple, three of those in the ICU. But at any rate, we're ready for a few. And the surge, so they tell me, Ken, is, is going to be within the next week or two in the 
in the St. Petersburg area. I know that the mayor is beating his chest and taking credit for the low number of cases, but uh, that's not how this works. This this is a wave phenomena, and I'm sure that we're going to have an increased number of cases. It's already starting to go up in the uh, Tampa Bay area. We're in Tampa Bay, Florida, if you're listening from somewhere else around the country or the world. So the 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 hope is there. We've got Plaquenil. We've got this Remdesivir. Uh, we're using hyperimmune globulin, which is uh, gamma globulin that has been produced by people who have had the virus and have gotten over it. And part of our immune process is to make antibodies against the virus. And so if we can get people who have had this and they have gamma globulin that is specific, this this uh, antibody is specific for the COVID, the coronavirus, then we can pool that and we can give that to people. Now, there's another thing that's being tried. It's, it's a type of plasmapheresis. Plasmapheresis is similar to dialysis, but instead of taking off fluid, like we do with dialysis and waste products, we take off uh, part of your plasma, uh, the part that is uh, in, involved in the inflammatory response, and in doing so, decreases the inflammatory response. So that's another treatment, but now that's a little bit more intense and requires uh, extra equipment that not everybody's going to have or that we don't have a lot of. So we have a number of things that we're working on, and there's certainly hope. And and I'm I'm pretty upbeat about all this. And even if you think about the the number of people that have died in the United States, it's it's still a, a minuscule part of the population. Uh, you know, the fear is that we'll overwhelm the healthcare system. And even in New York City, with all of the hoopla that's going on, and in New York State, uh, their healthcare systems are are certainly strapped and stressed, but they're not overwhelmed. And the the uh, the big hospital ship that the president sent up into New York Harbor is basically empty. It's there for non-coronavirus patients. Uh, uh, but I think that part of that may be that people just don't want to go to the hospital right now, even if they uh, are told that it's a hospital or a hospital ship that is free of the coronavirus. You know, you don't know. You don't know who's going to walk in there and cough in the hallway and 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 give you uh, this this dreaded virus that that may kill you, even if it's one half of one percent mortality or one percent mortality. You know, you don't want to be that one in a hundred guy or gal that that dies from this. So. There's probably more to it than just uh, not that great of a need. There's probably less of a demand because people are reluctant to come in. And, uh, you know, we we certainly want to take care of emergencies like acute appendix and uh, infections that are overwhelming and congestive heart failures and heart attacks and strokes and those sort of things. So resources are there. But uh, I was I was curious to see that the mayor of New York, Bill de Blasio, has called for public schools to be shut for the rest of the year, but the governor Como says it's his call and not the mayor's call, and he hasn't decided whether or not the public schools are all going to be closed till the end of the year. So looks like we've got a little bit of a tiff among the liberals up there in, in uh, the communist, great communist state of New York. And it gives me a little bit of warmth in my heart to know that 
they're not as monolithic as they would appear. They're only monolithic in their hatred of, of the right and of Trump as the leader of, of the right movement. But uh, who knows? We'll see what happens with these guys. I don't see what the big deal is. Leave the schools closed. Who cares? You know, you can go online and, and get uh, get your kids educated. There's that K-12. Have you heard of that, Ken? Um, I'm not not familiar with that. What do, what exactly is that? It is, uh, it is a school online. It's a public school, and it is uh, accredited in several states. I know it's accredited in Florida. And it's kindergarten through the 12th grade, and you can uh, go there and sign up. It's free. Uh, the kids go to classes. They take exams. They have uh, laboratories and, and different things that they do, and it's all online. So it's like homeschooling, only it's, uh, it's accredited by the state as a public school not just a private school that's accredited for homeschooling, but it's a public school. So you can get your kids through this year uh, by going to K-12, that's K-1-2, and uh, you can you can sign your kids up and, and get them into the level that they're supposed to be in, and it's got all the curriculum, curricula, I should say. It's got all the testing. Uh, there's access to materials. I'm sure you can... Uh, download and print from PDF or different uh, different media uh, the courses and the and the syllabus and syllabi and the different things that you have to study and I think it's a great thing and the kids that I've seen who have been homeschooled have done extremely well and it'll do a number of things it'll cut down on uh, adolescent crime because as you know and I know when you get a bunch of guys together. Uh, teenage boys and you throw a little beer in there there's going to be trouble no uh, no no never <laughs> no way. no that would never happen <laughs> never happened to me no <laughs> i know that it, those tombstones in that graveyard fell over on their own i swear to god i didn't have anything <laughs> to do with the kid <laughs> and my country cousins they were tipping cows have you ever heard of that i i i Spent many a day in the rural area, so yes, I understand what that is. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what a tipping a cow is, the, the you know the teenage boys that uh, after they had a little bit of whatever to get them all jazzed up, they'd go out and late at night when the cows are sleeping and they sleep standing up for the most part. And they'd push them over, you know. So these poor cows are dead asleep, and all of a sudden they're flat on their sides. You don't want to mistake a bull, though. You don't want to do that to the bull. That's the good luck. You better run fast, dude, because <laughs> they may not like that. They may take a umbrage at that. They're not. Sure. They're not happy to be awoken in the middle of the night like that. No. No, they are not. So we're. Uh, we're looking at this uh, with uh, uh, the eye of uh, an adult and not an adolescent. And uh, I think that this homeschooling is good. But you know what the governor's upset about is that if you have all these people go online and realize that they can educate their kids from home online, and once you get the, the routine down, you know, it's going to take – uh, a lot less involvement from the parents than you would think. You would think that the parents have to sit there and, and make the kids do this, but this is very engaging. I mean, you know, the kids like messing around with the computer anyway. Uh, what's going to happen to all these teachers? 
all these tens of thousands of teachers in the NEA, which is a strong lobby and a left-wing lobby, what's going to happen to them? They'll be gone. And it's going to happen eventually, but, uh, you know, this is going to hasten it. This coronavirus and the the, uh, quarantining and the social distancing and all that really is going to uh, fundamentally alter the way we we live our lives and do our business as more and more people go online and stay connected to family and friends. Uh, You know, old people, my neighbors, they're learning how to use FaceTime and Facebook and uh, uh, Skype and all these these avenues and and we've got the telemedicine set up we're good for we're on uh, doxyme.com and you can put doxyme.com uh, I think it's a backslash or a forward slash uh, Bay Area Med and you can get right into my virtual office it's pretty cool and there's even a little app that you can click to which will uh, buzz me on my which will ding me on my phone and tell me that you're in the waiting room and waiting for me and then I can go to my computer and get my camera queued up and uh, have at it. So it's it's interesting. It's fascinating. This would have been this whole situation would have been much more difficult without the internet. It really is amazing how we've been managed to adjust like that. Yeah, it really is. And uh, I think that this is really going to fundamentally change the way we live and look at life. I wonder, at if, more, if, I wonder if more people will be working at home after this just on oh, a regular yeah. basis, you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, that's what they did in Hong Kong at the in beginning of January. They sent everybody home and said, you're working at home. Everybody's uh, socially distanced and quarantined. And if you go out, you have to wear a mask. And their, their infection rate, I mean, they're the same size as New York City, the same size, 7 million people. They're as densely populated as New York City. And they've had, you know, gosh, uh, less than 10,000 cases and less than 1,000 deaths. Uh, it, it's just amazing how well they have contained this this uh, epidemic in their small city, their small area, uh, just by doing the basic things that I've been saying for the past month, which is social distancing. Wear a mask. Uh, don't wear a single-ply mask. You have to wear a two- or three-ply cloth mask. And the uh, the... The fabric needs to be a tightly woven fabric. Uh, you can use a cotton poly, which is better than just cotton, and you can use a two-ply. Now, you can't use just poly because it's it's too hard to breathe through, but a cotton poly blend is excellent. Uh, if you look at some of your T-shirts, you'll see they're cotton poly, and you can cut out a 9 by 9 inch piece um, and plaster them together, put a few little folds in them so that they fit on your face. And we'll get a video out there, show people how to do that. It's pretty easy. Uh, the uh, the N95 mask, which 3M is, has had the uh, the uh, the patent on, are the the gold standard for healthcare. But you know you can't get those if you're a layman. For the most part, they're they're pretty much in the hands of the healthcare people, and that's good because. When you're up close and personal with somebody with this this virus, you need extra protection. You really need something that's going to completely enclose your nose and your mouth. You need some protective glasses or face shield, and you you need to uh, make sure that you don't inhale or get any droplets in your eyes and uh, or in your nose or your mouth. And 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 that's why we reserve those 
the N95s for the healthcare people. The surgical masks are pretty good, but they don't fit as tight, and that's the problem. Now, you can make a cloth mask that is very tight-fitting, and uh, it's very effective, and you can even put a third layer in the middle of a HEPA filter or a vacuum filter. You probably didn't know this, a vacuum filters, Ken, are very effective in, in blocking transmission of, of micro droplets. So that's another thing you can do is, is tear apart a vacuum bag and cut some of that out and put it between two pieces of cloth and stitch it or glue it or whatever and make a mask out of that. I had no idea. I never would have thought about that one. Yeah, you know, you don't think about it or think about tearing open uh, your AC, your, your uh, HEPA filter from your AC unit. Uh, which is what I did. I, I cut off the, the the surrounding cardboard, and then I tore the you know the diamond uh, ribbing on the back of it, the metal ribbing. I tore that off, and then I just cut pieces out and put them inside my mask. And uh, there you go. You got a HEPA mask. I just hold my breath when I go out for gas. I just hold it until I get back. Well, if I held mine for gas, I'd, I'd never <laughs> breathe because I'm. Well, never mind. That's another story. <laughs> let's not go there, no, Doc. No, let's not go there. The wife knows all about it. <laughs> so I'm sitting in the lunchroom yesterday because I want to go to the hospital. I want to show my face. I want, even though the hospital is damn near deserted, uh, I want the nurses to know that I'm there. And I think that it provides some uh, uh, some comfort for them and gives them some courage and and. It says that I'm committed to them and to the hospital. And, and so I think that's a good thing. I had a couple of consults yesterday I had to see. And uh, th- the first day I went in with, with this one consult, he was in ICU and he was in isolation. And the girls were, the nurses, they were in their spacesuits and the door was shut. And we were talking through the door and I said, has the coronavirus been ruled out? And they said, no. Don't come in, Dr. Handelman. So I did my consult just looking at him uh, and looking at the lab data, and it didn't look like there was any cardiac, any heart issues. So uh, I did the exam yesterday after the results returned that he was negative for the coronavirus. He just has a pneumonia, came from a nursing home. But you don't know. I mean, you just don't know. And so we're being extra careful. But I think that it, it, it gives the nurses some, some encouragement when they see uh, one of the doctors there and somebody who's willing to come in. Because a lot of the doctors, can they won't even come in. They will not come in. Now, the intensivists, the ICU doctors, they really don't have a choice. They're, they're on uh, a contract, and they have to cover the ICU. And, you know, they're nervous. You can't blame them for that. So I'm sitting in the lunchroom, and I saw my buddy, uh, Bill Calderon. He's an OBGYN here in town. He lives right down the, the golf cart path from me. And uh, he is an interesting guy. He's from Puerto Rico, and he's a very astute, a very thoughtful man. I really enjoy him, and, and he's a really good guy, good Catholic guy, too. He uh, said, do you think that this virus was created by the Chinese military at their at their biological weapons plant. And I said, "No, Bill, this is this is not easy to. It's it's much easier to manipulate anthrax because it doesn't replicate and it doesn't mutate the way a virus does. Viruses mutate so much, and we don't know how many hundreds of millions of viruses are out there that are mutating 
and they never mutate to make the right key to fit that lock to get into our cells and cause us problems. And so there is actually research, there is research, and there was research that was done early on because, of course, we as uh, uh, a nation uh, want to know, are we being attacked? Is this an attack by the Chinese? Well, it wouldn't make any sense for the Chinese to create a virus that did so much damage to their own country. I mean, it shut down their their economy and, and killed tens of thousands of people, and God knows how many people are positive over there. You know, the healthcare system is not as as quite as advanced as ours, and so we really don't know. And everybody's saying, well, they're just hiding stuff. Well, I, I doubt they're hiding. They probably just don't even know. They don't have that ability yet to test the numbers of people that, that South Korea and the United States and other countries with a more advanced healthcare system do. But the research was done early on. And the researchers analyzed the whole gene structure uh, related to the uh, the COVID-19 virus, the backbone of, of this, and, and the gene structure is an RNA gene. It's not a DNA, uh, so it it uh, is the it's the mirror image, the template of the DNA, and so it can manipulate our system to make more of its own copies of RNA, which is the 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 DNA is what carries all the data. The RNA is what carries that data out to the parts of the cell that replicate and make more DNA and more RNA. And so uh, this is a reverse RNA. So it's, it's, a, it's an interesting thing how this whole genetic phenomena works. And so the coronavirus genome that, that was isolated from the COVID virus is most closely related to the bat coronavirus discovered after the pandemic began. And so the, uh, the, the bats, and it's also a virus that's found in pangolins, P-A-N-G-O-L-I-N-S, which is uh, related to the anteater. It's in the anteater family. It was also isolated from this animal. And we found that there's a region on the cell called the angiotensin converting enzyme uh, region, which is where this new virus is locking in. Now, it's we already knew about the angiotensin converting enzyme, the ACE enzyme on the cells. Uh, we know that that exists because we've been treating high blood pressure and heart problems by blocking that specific site on the cell and keeping certain cells from releasing uh, chemicals and hormones that make our blood pressure go up and damage our heart. Uh, there are ACE inhibitors, and the ACE inhibitors are, are things like lisinopril and fosinopril and all the prills, and a lot of people are on those. But we didn't know that there was more than one ACE site. So this is the ACE2, A-C-E-2. And we discovered this ACE2 because we discovered that this is where these little COVID viruses are locking in. So it's a lock and key. So it has to find the COVID virus. The virus has to find a spot on the cell where it can stick out one of its little little uh, coronas and lock into the cell. And then the cell will suck it in. And once inside the cell, then it does its damage. So we know, we know that because nobody knew that this ACE2 lock and key mechanism existed until we looked at the pangolins and the bats and found that 
this is where it's locking in. We didn't know that we had this, this second ACE location on our cells. So, you know, I was explaining to Bill, this is too, too difficult. Uh, you can't produce something when you don't even know where it's going to uh, lock onto the cell. And, and by the way, we didn't even know that this ACE2 site existed until we did this investigation and found out that this was a naturally occurring phenomena, that this was a, uh, a mutation that occurred, and that because of that, this novel virus was able to lock onto our cells and get in. And so the idea that this is, or the notion that this is some kind of a plot, that, you know, for a while it was the U.S. military that was making uh, this uh, as a biological weapon and it got out of the barn. No. Then it was the Chinese uh, biochemical weapons plant, supposedly in Wuhan, which, of course, I don't believe, <clears throat> that was making it. No. No, 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 no. This, folks, comes from the natural mutations of this coronavirus, the cold virus, and we've seen this thing mutate. We had the SARS virus, which is a coronavirus back in the first uh, decade of the, of the 21st century, and we were afraid that that was going to get out and, and be a pandemic, but uh, it, it wasn't. It was controlled. So we've got a lot of, of conspiracy theories out there. They're all false. Don't believe them. You know, you have to listen to what Dr. Bill's telling you because he does the research for you that this is not a conspiracy. This is not some virus that was uh, manufactured or developed inside of a, of a laboratory. It is just what it is, uh, a normal genetic mutation in nature. So when I come back, I'm going to talk about what we need to do to to prevent these things in the future. It's public health, and it has to do with getting China to ramp up its public health system. Looks like it's time to take a break here, huh, Ken? If you'd like to, sir, it's your show. Oh, it is? <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. No, what? Nobody told me. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> then let's take a break. All right, let's take a break. I'm going to go grab a cup of Joe. I'm Dr. Bill, your radio MD. If you have any questions, give me a shout after the break at 877 877- 969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson has been discharged from a London hospital. He was treated there briefly in intensive care for the coronavirus Johnson's office says he has left St. Thomas Hospital and will continue his recovery at his country home, Checkers. He will not immediately return to work. He'd been in the hospital for a week and spent three nights in the ICU. Pope Francis calling for solidarity the world over to confront the, quote, epical challenge posed by the coronavirus. Francis issuing the appeal in nearly empty St. Peter's Basilica as Christians celebrate a solitary Easter, blending the joyful feast with concern over the virus toll. And Israel's president has turned down a request from Blue and White Party leader Benny Gantz for a two-week extension to form a new coalition government. Sunday's announcement means Gantz and Netanyahu have a midnight deadline to work out a deal themselves. 
This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full-service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727-384. 6411 Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments, so call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. Balance of nature, changing the world one life at a time. When you hear all this stuff on the radio, you know, you're like, yeah, right. So when I heard the Balance of Nature commercial, I was like, yeah, right. You know, how can those pills give you more energy? But the amazing thing is it does. It works. All the claims of Balance of Nature work. I mean, I have more energy. Before I started taking Balance of Nature, I would walk up the hill from feeding the horses and I'd just be dragging. And I'm like, I hate feeling this way. I've got years more to live. I don't want to feel tired all the time. And now I have plenty of energy. I used to have to... You know, always say, okay, I'm going to take a nap at 2 o'clock because I'm so tired I can't stand it, you know, and now eh, I'm taking a nap in weeks. Experience the Balance of Nature difference for yourself. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code RESULTS. Take AM860, The Answer, with you wherever you go with our mobile app, TheAnswerTampa.com, Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, and at Radio.com. Mike Gallagher still sees a double standard in all this mess. It's so fascinating to watch the media change its tune. The president pointed out that there's a lot of missing masks in New York, and people flipped out. Then Cuomo turns around said the exact same thing. The Mike Gallagher Show, weekdays at 9 on AM 860, The Answer. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. For Easter Sunday today, breezy and warm with sun and clouds. A shower or a thunderstorm around during the day. High 91, breaking the record of 89, set in 1974. For tonight, partly cloudy and very warm, breezy late with gusts up to 30 miles per hour, low 77. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Kevin Snyder for AM860, The Answer. A little brown bat wants him as most common bat can eat 1,200 insects an hour. Some bats can maneuver like helicopters to pluck insects from bushes, while others fly 10,000 feet high and dive like chips. And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill, a little bit of the bat song there. And uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about the virus and, and where it came from. Uh, it came from uh, the bats or the pangolins that are sold in the wet markets in, in China. And the wet market in Wuhan is where this virus originated. This is a naturally uh, occurring virus that mutated. And as I was explaining before the break, it locks on to the ACE, the ACE uh, ACE, angiotensin-converting enzyme uh, 
uh, site on the cell, on our human cells, and we discovered that there is not only one ACE location on the cell, but there are two, and we didn't know. Now we know that there's a second one, and that's how we know that this is a naturally occurring virus because uh, you can't create something to lock onto a site on the cell that you don't know exists. So this is no conspiracy. This is no uh, uh, attempt to to use a biological weapon against the world by the Chinese or by the American army. That's all a bunch of nonsense. Don't believe any of that. These are naturally occurring phenomena. We have pandemics. They come and they go. Well, what can we do to prevent future pandemics? Well, you know, it's the same thing as it was 1,000, 2,000 years ago. Public health. Public health. And so we need to put pressure on the Chinese, on the Chinese government, to modernize their health care, their public health system, to outlaw these, these wet uh, uh, markets in, in the commercial areas of the cities where you can go and buy all kinds of exotic animals to eat, uh, whether it's a bat or a pangolin, uh, whatever it is, monkey meat, you know, we, we don't need that sort of market open and spreading viruses to people in the markets and then people in the market spreading them along the way to other people and then you got a pandemic going. So we need to really get on the Chinese and lean on them about this. It's really important that they ramp up their public health system and that they become more aggressive. And I know that there's thousands of years of, of enculturation and of uh, ethnic, uh, not ethnic, but uh, behavioral and social uh, awareness and, and, and uh, involvement in these, these kinds of markets where you can get all kinds of weird things to eat. And people say, how can you eat all that stuff? Well, remember now, uh, you have a huge population that has been short of food off and on for centuries. Famines have come and gone, and emperors and governments have uh, risen and fallen on the basis of uh, the rice crops and the amount of food that's available. And when there ain't much food available, you're going to eat whatever you can get your hands on. <clears throat> My wife grew up in South Korea right after the Korean War. She was born in 1955. So uh, she grew up at a time when there was very little little protein for people to eat. And so meat was a, was a valuable commodity. And when they had meat, it was a big deal. You know, it was a big deal. And when they went out to, in the summertime, to, to their grandparents who were farmers out in the country, uh, th that was a special time for them because their grandparents would have a couple of pigs. And so they'd, uh, you know, butcher a pig for the family and they'd have some meat to eat for uh, a few weeks while they were out there vacationing. Uh, and you can see the difference in the, the size of the kids. Uh, my wife's generation is, is shorter. Uh, they're, they're, they're certainly different looking than the grandchildren, the kids that are growing up in South Korea now who are tall. They're as tall as American kids. Uh, they're, they're much healthier looking. Uh, not that my wife isn't healthy looking, but they just, you know, they look bigger and stronger and healthier. And, and it's because they've got a high-protein diet high fat diet, which goes along with the, with the protein, whether it's 
animal fat from from meat or from cheese. There's a lot of a lot of fat along with the protein, and all these are necessary for normal development and for taller stature. You have to have have to have your protein and your fats, and you can't just eat carbohydrates with a little bit of vegetable protein here and there. The vegetable protein, like it or not, is just not as bioavailable, and it's just not as uh, uh, as healthy and as easily absorbed and has all the essential amino acids that animal protein does. And I saw one of the pundits on TV, uh, and he was, they were talking, I think it was the five that's on Fox in the afternoon, they were talking about the different things that they eat and where they get their protein, and one person was a vegan and vegan, and one was a vegetarian. And, and one of the guys said, you know, I don't eat all that, I just go to the Go to the store and get some meat. Eat some meat. You know, you get all the protein you need. It's uh, highly concentrated. You know, it's like gasoline. It's a good source of energy. Uh, it's got everything you need protein and fat-wise, almost. I mean, you still need vegetables, of course. But as far as getting your basic proteins and amino acids, that's the way to do it. That's how you do it. You get that from animal protein. Well, you can you can see that if you're starving, if all you have to eat is rice and there's not much of that, that you're going to eat anything you can get your hands on, whether it's a rat or a bat or a dog or a pangolin or a monkey. If it's going to move, you're going to eat it. And the problem is, is that once this gets into the culture and the add-in culturation is there that these are okay things to have and do, well, then you're going to have pandemics arise from these wet markets, and I'm sure that this is not the first pandemic that has come out of the wet markets of China. Uh, I'm sure the SARS virus came out of similar circumstances, and we know that the uh, the avian flu came out of bird farms that were, were the workers were not taking the proper precautions, the healthcare precautions, uh, dirty places where viruses were easily spread around. So we have to lean on the Chinese. This is really important that we lean on them and pressure them. The whole world needs to get together on this and pressure them to close down these wet markets and to uh, take their their public health system to the next level, to the another higher level of sanitation. You don't need all of this anymore. We've got tons of food. The Chinese are they're growing their own. They're, they've got tons of meat. They've got tons of protein. They've got tons of, of vegetables and fruits. We were in uh, Beijing and Xi'an a couple of years ago, and my son and I took a ride out into the country on a bullet train to go to one of the national parks and go up the huge mountain that's so famous. And uh, only got about 30 steps up, and then I died, Kim, and they my son had to carry me back down. It was a sad, sad situation. Yeah, it would have happened to me too, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, at any rate, we're, we're traveling out there, and we're going through the countryside. I mean, there's farmland that is fertile. There's There are well-groomed farms and little farmhouses and, and outbuildings, all block, all well-built. 
the markets are full, the restaurants have tons of food, uh, the grocery stores that we went into were, were well stocked, there were Baskin Robbins, there were fast food places, there was ice cream, I mean, there's tons of food now, and so there's really no reason for the Chinese to persist in these uh, ancient uh, cultural uh, rituals of eating all these strange animals. I mean, this is ridiculous. It's time that the government in China stepped up and put an end to this. And I know that it'll be unpopular, but, you know, who cares? In a generation, the kids aren't going to know or remember. So what's the difference? So the old people get upset with you. And, you know, they say, well, Mao wouldn't have done this. Well, you know what? Mao's dead. He's dead now, what, 30, 40 years? At least, yeah. So it's time to move on here. You know, it's time to move on. We've got a new emperor with, with President Xi and he needs to step up and be the enlightened emperor of this massive population, this huge country. By the way, once they got Tibet, you know, they're, they're now the third largest landmass country. We're the fourth, so we got kicked down to number four when they grabbed Tibet. We should have gotten Tibet ahead of them. You know, if we let's, had to, we would have been. Let's just take Canada. Let's, well, then we'll be number two, there you almost go. number one. We'll be almost as big as, yeah, I mean, if you take the United States, Canada, and Mexico and our NAFTA or whatever we're calling our trade agreement, I think we're almost as big as Russia. Oh, certainly, yeah. So, uh, you know, I wanted to be number three, and that really hurt my feelings <laughs> when the Chinese, I, you know, the Tibetans, the fact that they massacred them, I don't know if that's a big deal, but overtaking us as number three, that was really upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> No, I feel bad for the, the Tibetans. <laughs> you should hear the Chinese talk about it. They talk about them like they're they're primitive. Uh, you know that they're one step above a monkey. Uh, they oh, they don't bathe, and you know they have all these weird rituals and fly all these flags and chant and live up there in the hills. And now you know there's hardly any Tibetans left in Tibet. They're they're paying people to move up there, Chinese. Uh, the Han people to move up there, the, the ethnic Chinese, and, and uh, populate Tibet. And so Tibet is no longer Tibetan. It's Chinese. It's fascinating to see. It's we, fascinating. Have a, we have Richard from Clearwater on the phone, if you'd like to uh, take a call, Doc. Oh, yeah, Richard. Hey, what's up, bud? Hey, Dr. Bill. How are you doing today? Good. How are you, sir? All right. Just listen to your show. Uh, try to catch you every Sunday. Uh, my question is... And as we get on the downhill slope of this thing, you're going to hear nothing between then and the election from the Democrats about how Trump messed this up and how he did everything wrong. So what is the truth? What what uh, you know, I hear things like, well, he cut funding at the CDC. He cut out the pandemic response team and this and that and the other. Um, I don't know. Maybe this is a topic for a different show. But uh, what are your what's your take on all this? Well, I think it would make a good show. And I, I'm, I'm probably going to that's a good idea. I'll talk about that next week. But I have not seen any evidence that funding at the CDC was cut. Um, and I, I, I know for a fact that the CDC uh, has continued on with their research and have, has uh, been very uh, integral with the World Health Organization. You know, a lot of the World Health Organization uh, data comes out of uh, CDC research and CDC structuring of research on behalf of the World Health Organization. You know, the United States and the European Union, Great Britain, uh, now China is in, in 
South Korea and Japan are coming in. But, you know, basically the World Health Organization is funded by and uh, uh, led by the scientists in the developed countries like the United States and Europe. So I don't buy that. Now, as far as, as Trump's response, uh, one of the guys at the hospital last week, he said, what do you think about Trump and how he's doing with this? And he's a, he's a left winger. Nice guy. Love him to death. Uh, Sudi, I call him. He's a good guy, uh, a nephrologist. And I said, Sudi, I said, look, you got an impossible task because we're not like other countries. We're not like, uh, you know, like like France, where the the parliament there says this is what we're going to do. And the whole country does it. There are not governors that that have a state of their own and uh, are somewhat uh, feudal lords over that state. Uh, if you can imagine Trump saying, all right, we're closing the borders between all the states. And so if you live in New York, you can't leave New York. You can't go to Pennsylvania or New Jersey or Massachusetts. You can't leave. What do you think is going to happen? What do you think Governor Cuomo is going to say? The hell we are. You can't tell us we, we have to close our borders. And by the way, who's going to enforce that? Are you going to call out the, the military? Well, we have a, an amendment in our Constitution that says that we can't, we can't house troops, we can't send troops into states uh, except under special circumstances and with permission from Congress and all this and that. And we all know the legalities of that, and the Supreme Court would be involved and it'd be a big mess. Okay, so you say to the governors, well, it's up to you to call out your National Guard and your state troopers and close off all the interstates and all the side roads. And it's not going to be perfect, of course. People will always sneak across borders. doesn't matter how tightly you control them. But you could certainly cut way down on the traffic. And, you know, the, the, the example of this, the perfect example is the, the patient that we had die in our ICU at St. Pete General, our little hospital last weekend, who made her son drive her down from, I forget if it was Massachusetts or New York, because she didn't want to be quarantined, 91-year-old. Uh, sick. I think she already had some underlying conditions, uh, including COPD, maybe lung cancer. I don't know. I don't know the whole story. But she made her son bring her down. And she came into our ER, coughed her coronavirus all over the place, got admitted to the ICU, was intubated, put on the ventilator, and uh, put nurses and doctors at risk. And of course, she, she didn't make it. Uh, and so, it would have been a great thing if the border had been closed. This would have been one less uh, person transmitting the virus to, to God knows how many people, and it's going to take seven to 14 days for the incubation period to, to come to fruition. So we don't know how many people this one person who defied the, the uh, quarantine is going to infect. Right. And we'll see in our area. And so how do you do this? So so if the president said we're shutting down the borders, the governors would all pitch a fit. And you can see, I mean, even look at what the governors are doing. Some of the governors are saying they're not going to uh, ban Easter services. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. What is wrong here? You're going to let people go to, to church, to these enclosed buildings and cough all over each other? and uh, possibly transmit uh, the coronavirus and prolong this epidemic so that they can go to Easter Sunday services. Why don't you watch it on TV? I watched the, uh, you know, I watched the, the Vatican mass this morning 
I'm, I'm an insomniac, you know, I'm up and down all night. So I <laughs> sit down and, and, and say, Handelman, you really have a bizarre <laughs> uh, retinue of things that you look at. But, you know, I'm out working in my woodworking shop and then I come in and uh, the Vatican, you know, the, the St. Peter's Basilica, it really is a beautiful building. And I like seeing that. And I was raised Catholic, so the Gregorian chanting is all familiar to me, and I like to hear it. Not that not that it inspires me religiously, but certainly there are options and opportunities for people to receive their services at home or from a distance. Uh, and and so you just think about this: one governor says no, you can't have services; another governor says yes. How are you going to enforce it if the president says no services? How are you going to enforce that? You can't. So I think that he's doing everything that he can. Um, remember when he closed flights from China, he was called a racist and overreacting. And now he's called underreacting. And he said, uh, we don't know if the Plaquenil works or not, but why not try it? If, if there's some evidence that it may work, why not try it? And so what do you hear on, on the news and from the left? Oh, the president's pushing this ultra dangerous drug Plaquenil. Plaquenil is one of the least dangerous drugs that we use for things like rheumatoid arthritis and lupus. The main thing is if you're on it for a long period of time, several years, you can get damage to your the retina of your eye. And that's why we have people who are on uh, the Plaquenil see a, an ophthalmologist every year. They need an eye exam to make sure that they're not getting any damage. And if there's anything that even uh, appears to be damaging to their eyes, we stop it. And here we're talking about five days worth of, of Plaquenil, 10 tablets. That is not going to cause any damage to your retina. That's not going to do anything to you unless you have some unusual allergy to Plaquenil. And I, I guess there are people that do, but, you know, come on. What are you talking about? You're giving the guy a hard time because he's saying, let's be hopeful. Let's look at some of the opportunities and options and, and let's look at some of the medicines that we already have in play and see if we can utilize these and see if they'll work. So is he handling it perfectly? Well, no, I don't see how anybody can. I mean, who could foresee this coming down the pike? This is, this is a most unique phenomena and uh, something that we haven't seen for a hundred years since the pandemic of 1918-19 with the with the influenza, the swine flu that was called the Spanish flu back then. That's so, so I don't know uh, what you can what you can do or say to uh, stop people from from putting out all this false information that. He's mishandled the situation. I just, I don't see it. I think if anybody's mishandled things, it's been Fauci, uh, Anthony Fauci, and I talked about him last week, and I'll say it again. He may be a brilliant researcher and a great guy, but he's the wrong man to have at the helm. You need a clinician there telling people not to wear a mask, that they're more dangerous. Than and, you know, I went through the mask thing a couple of weeks ago. If you use a single ply cloth mask, it's of no value. But if you use a polycotton blended uh, two or three ply mask properly fitted to your face and you wear it when you go out, believe me, it's going to cut down on transmission of this of this influenza virus. And by the way, I saw something from MIT where they were studying the the uh, the distance that your your uh, your nasal your sneezing and coughing spray goes. We used to think it was six feet and that's why we're distancing six feet. You know what? It goes 27 feet. 27 feet. Now, those are 
ultra small micro droplets and whether or not they have enough virus particles on them to infect you because there's probably a, a critical number of variants that we need, you know, a, a million or two million or five million or whatever. And how many you can get on a five micron droplet is, is uh, still unknown. So we don't know if, if that is infectious or not, but there you go. I mean, there's a lot to this and there's a lot more that's going on. Dr. Fauci needs to step aside, get him out of there. The president, he's doing all right. All right, guys, I'm out of here. We got to go. And I love you, and I'm glad you were with me today. I'm Dr. Bill, your Radio MD.